Hopefully Judy's not distracting for you tonight. She's uh, with, with CCU Photography here to, to photograph this. They were here to photograph this tonight, and uh, they were over at the service day yesterday taking photos uh, so we can promote um, our, our ministry and, and uh, um, uh, get the funds that we need, uh, hopefully for our, our student center, which is uh, um, doing very well after, after yesterday of all the hard work of all the many people that came out. Our readings today, our first and second readings today, are, are very long, and uh, uh, but they're very powerful. And I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm just going to talk about the first one in, in particular, this uh, reading from the book of the prophet Nehemiah. Uh, uh, Nehemiah, um, uh, and I just put out there a question because um, it, it, it's a, a reading that I love to go back to on a regular basis. But in order to really understand it, we have to have the context as to what is taking place to be able to answer the question, why are the people weeping? Why are the people weeping when the priest Ezra gets up and proclaims from the morning to, to midday? He's proclaiming from the, the, the book of the law for many hours. <laughs> and so we, we hear older people, younger people, even children Anybody that can understand are there as he's reading the book of the law. And it's, it, you know, many scholars just say, well, which books were they reading that caused them to weep? <laughs> but again, I, I think it's, it's better to, for us to step back and to look at the context as to what is taking place um, to be able to answer that question, why are they weeping? Right? Uh, the book itself um, um, comes as really a result of, of uh, the post-Babylonian exile, right? So in the 6th century BCE, um, 6th century before Christ, uh, Nebuchadnezzar II uh, comes into Jerusalem and, and, and decimates it. And uh, with that, over the next uh, 20 years or so, um, he starts uh, taking, starts off with the, 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 uh, the, the, the social elite and the artisans and, and the priests and um, uh, the king, and he, he kicks them all out of Jerusalem. He, he sends them to Babylon, right? And uh, it's, it's a long process. There's many times where the Jews that were remaining tried to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar II, and each time he squashes them until he, he takes them out and, and he, he, he leads them shamelessly to, to Babylon. And then the people themselves are, are weeping as, as they see everything that belongs to them, their culture is, is completely destroyed, and the reason why he had taken all the, the elite and, and the, the artisans and the musicians and stuff was, again, to, to decimate their culture. It's exactly what Hitler tried to do in, in the Second World War as, as, he, as he took all the art, you know, from, from Europe itself and was trying to, to hide it, right? right? Again, to, to strip the people of their absolute identity, right? And it, it worked to a certain degree because over the next hundred years, uh, most of them were in captivity, right? Um, even after his, his, his own death, most of them were still in captivity. But 50 or 60 years after they're, 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 they're banished uh, from and, and kicked out of Jerusalem and after the walls have been torn down and the temple has been desecrated, right? Uh, there's a new king that, that comes into town, Cyrus the Great. And he allows a group of Jews to go back to, to re-inhabit Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. Right? And over the next 40 years after that, then, then most of the people, the Jews, start to trickle back. But for us to really grasp what's taking place, we have to really kind of get in the mindset as to what it would have felt like. Right? Again, all those horrible things that they mentioned happened, but 
just like us sitting here right now, us being here tonight, we have a little concept as to the horrificness and what that would feel like. Right? Uh, anybody seen A Man in a High Castle? Uh, you heard, heard the, the premise of, of the, the, the Amazon series. Basically, right, it's what would have happened had Hitler won World War II, right, and, and, and we were um, uh, slaves and, and uh, uh, prisoners to him within our own country. Right? It, it, it kind of plays on, on this mentality that I'm trying to get you guys into the mindset of tonight uh, to really understand and grasp, again, why they are weeping. Right? Let's, again, 50 or 60 years. So what this means is that the people who started to come back uh, to Jerusalem, the first ones to come back, most of them didn't even know Jerusalem. Right? They had gotten used to uh, what Babylon was like, the temple, their, their whole form of worship had been uh, completely upended, right? Because the wor- worship took place only in the temple. Right? This is the time in, in, in Jewish history where the synagogues start to spring up. They start to just read the law uh, because they can't worship, which is what religion demands, right? And so they, some of them participate in this, but again, they're in a, in a, in a different culture, right? They're, they're the minority, right? The law itself, for those who are passing it on to their children, is, is really kind of an afterthought. And so imagine yourself, <laughs> me telling you today, well, guess what? You know, really, you're going back to your, your native country. You're going back to Ireland. You're going back to, to Italy. And, and most of you have perhaps never even been there before, and you start to get a little bit of a glimpse, except the fact is, is that, no, <laughs> where you're going back to is, is going to stir up that institutional memory, that, 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 that memory as, as a people that we were kicked out of this place. Right? We were enslaved. Right? We start to get an understanding then of, of what it would have been like to go back to Jerusalem. You heard the stories from your parents who heard the stories from their grandparents, Right? In, in, in most cases, but again, you had no concept of what this place was going to be like. You just heard that it was going to be better than where you were in the moment. And yet you didn't really, hadn't never really worshipped. You'd heard the law, but you'd never worshipped because you didn't have the temple. You couldn't offer sacrifice in a foreign land. Right? And this is how they were raised. Right? And so... Nehemiah gets the permission of Cyrus basically to come back. He's one of those ones that, that brings them back and, and droves ultimately to rebuild Jerusalem. And in the process of rebuilding, they, they rebuild the temple first, but then they begin to they say, you know, we have to fortify ourselves. So we need to start building a wall <laughs> because, yes, uh, Cyrus has led us to come back, but we have all these neighboring uh, uh, tribes and different uh, peoples that, don't really like the fact that we're back because if we expand as we uh, classically have done in, 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 in the history of the Bible and the history of our people, we usually decimate other people. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they themselves were rather fearful. And so um, it's uh, these, these preceding chapters to chapter 8 tonight are, are rather uh, <laughs> phenomenal because Nehemiah has got them out there and he's organizing them. And uh, they have hammers in one hand, and, and in the other they have uh, swords, uh, shields, uh, bows and arrows, or, or spears, right? Because um, he's got them organized because they, they have to build the walls to protect themselves, but all these people don't want them to, to fortify themselves again, right? They're trying to stand against them to make them be anything but the people that they were before. They don't want them to give them back their culture. They don't want to give them back the temple. They want to... to, to 
to keep them where they were. They want to keep them humbled, close to the earth. And then that's the context then for what's taking place within the eighth chapter today, because the priest Ezra, who's working close with the governor Nehemiah, right? He begins. <laughs> I like to think of it because of one place within sacred scripture that kind of is recounting from this uh, the same uh, the same history from Chronicles. Right? We hear that they they find. The book of the law, right? Like, they, like it would, would had disappeared. Like people had completely forgotten about it. And he decides as, as he goes up to the governor and then they have a conversation that they're just going to call everybody that can hear, everybody that can understand, and they're going to start reading it for hours on end. And that's what exactly they do. But then again, it comes back to they start to weep. They're crying. Right? Why? Why? It, it, it hits me that the reason why they're ultimately crying is because they, they realize what led them out into captivity in the first place. Right? They remember their institutional history. Like that, that, as Mark Twain says, history doesn't repeat itself. History rhymes. History doesn't repeat itself. History rhymes. Right? That's salvation history. Every time that they, they are faithful to the Lord, the Lord blesses them, the Lord protects them. But every time that they forget the law, every time that they, they, they do stuff that contravenes the law, every time that they, 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 they turn to, to intermarriage, which, which was, a, was a big uh, uh, no-no for them because it, it led to the, them uh, abandoning the, the law because they, they, they lacked the discipline to, to continue to, to live their faith vibrantly. Um, every time that they broke the commandments of the law, they ended up in captivity. Right? This time it was physical captivity, but that physical captivity only spoke deeper to what was taking place interiorly. Right? And so as they're realizing this taking place, as they're, as they're there and as Ezra is reading the law, they begin to weep because what have they been doing? They've come back to build the temple. They've come back to build the walls. And they realize, wait, that's not just what's happening physically here. That's what's happening spiritually to us as a people. We lost our culture. We had lost our faith. We had lost our God. God, as they had arrived, most likely for most of the children, God was dead. They didn't know God. The gods they knew were the gods of the Babylonians, right? the ones that they heard about in the streets. And as they're building the temple, as they're building the walls, as they're rebuilding the city and fortifying it, they realize this is what we have to do as a people. Right? This just can't be about a physical location. It can't just be about a physical place. We have to do this as a people. We have to, we have to join arms with each other. We have to worship the true God together. And this is the law. This is what is beautiful. This is what we thirst for. This is what's always fed us. And whenever we follow this, we've, we've never gone wrong as a people. He's always been there with us. But we keep on doing this over and over again and stopping with that law. And then we end up, we end up on the road. We end up dead spiritually, individually, personally, and collectively as a community. I couldn't help but get chills uh, earlier this week as I was reading this and I began to realize uh, Mimi had me buy Bibles uh, for Bible study, um, the old law and the new law, uh, that you can all take when you're, when you're, when you're uh, uh, done here tonight on your way out. Um, please take a copy. If you don't have a copy, you should have a copy. Um, 
but it just so happened that I was going to be giving them out and, and, and speaking about the law. Um, but then also, too, that what we did yesterday, right? Most of you don't even know what a, a campus ministry student center should be like because you've never really experienced one. And yet that's what we're here and that's what we were working on yesterday, gutting it, tearing out all the cobwebs, cleaning up the property, picking up the sticks, cutting down trees that didn't need to be there that were a nuisance, having a bonfire, doing exactly what the Jews did as they were rebuilding their own city so that they had a place to call home, so that they had a place to worship as a people. That's what we were doing. It gave me, made me chills to my, my bones. It still gives me, gives me chills now to think that, again, history doesn't repeat itself. History rhymes. Right? And as, as Jesus says within the gospel today, right, this passage is fulfilled within your presence. This passage of sacred scripture is fulfilled in your presence. What we're doing individually, what we're doing as a community is, is to, to build a new home, to build a community. My first week here uh, um, um, this, this fall in August, we had about uh, 10, 15 people, right? <laughs> and somewhere, or somewhere around that, and today we're, we're sitting very comfortably, you know? It's wonderful to see this community grow. And it starts, though, with each one of you making it uh, a personal journey to build that interior castle, as St. Teresa of Avila would say. Build the castle. Build the castle. Make yourself a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when that joy and when that peace over, overflows, people start turning to you, right? Those in the front line, those, right? those, who, those of you who have to have a hammer in one hand and those of you who have to have a sword in the other, right? they turn to you and they say, that person has something that I want. That person has something that I need. This will be filled if you make that your call this semester. If you keep a, a tool, a hammer within your, your left hand and, 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 and that sword in your right, you need that tool because you have to keep on preparing yourself, but you also need that sword because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, the devil is very much so alive. And oftentimes he will uh, uh, creep up within uh, the, the, the people that you've surrounded yourself. They could be good people, but they're not going to like the new you at first. They're not going to like the new you at first when you really make a difference within your own life. Right? Particularly if, if you have a transformation within your heart that has to take place first. Right? You're going to have to, as the spiritual fathers interpret this passage, you're going to have to have that sword up right, to, to, to ward them off. Right when they make snotty comments, so why are you going to mass, or why are you going to Bible study, you know, or why are you going to, to men's group, or you know, why are you hanging out with 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 with, with those uh, those Catholics on Friday night, uh, uh, or whatever it is, you know, why are you going out to do service projects with them, you know, wouldn't it just be better to go shopping, you know, down at the Tanger Outlets with me, you know, uh, you know, I, I got all these clothes, you know, but let's go buy some more clothes, you know, uh, you know, no, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Each one of you faces it on a daily basis. The problem is, is that most of you have been in captivity a lot of your life. I've been there. I've been there. Right? Come out of captivity, brothers and sisters. Come out of captivity. It's so, it's so joyful. It tastes so good. It feels so good. 
And what's great is, as Ezra says it today, yes, there's, there's weeping. There's weeping when we recognize <laughs> where we are in the moment. But there's rejoicing when we recognize who God made us to be, who God wants us to be, and who God will allow us to be if we open our hearts to his grace within our lives.